0: ¡Nintendo!
1: to nintendo voice chat for the week of july 23rd 2015 Woo. i am your host jose otero and this is ign's nintendo podcast with a very special episode from the far east over here at 84 towers 84 is a localization company and joining me on the podcast is john riccardi hello mark mcdonald the returning guest this is the sound of my voice And J.J. Epperson Hi guys, how's it going?
0: Alright guys, so
1: tell uh, the listeners uh, Mark, you've been on the show before But let's just explain once again Maybe for people who are new to the show What is 8.4?
2: So, 8.4 is a company out of Tokyo, Japan Mm. Shibuya to be a little more exact And we do Can I curse on this podcast? No I prefer you didn't. Okay. <laughs> we do cool stuff um, in the game industry between uh, Japan and the West. So a lot of that is uh, is localization, um, which is what we call translation. This is super special. Yeah. Um, and, and we do uh, all all of our work is only in video games, but we do... Uh, sometimes we'll do japanese games into english sometimes we'll do english games into japanese Mm -hmm. we do do other stuff um we do a lot of consulting we ran um my number nine kickstarter we Uh do we set up uh, talks for people who come to things like gdc with japanese speakers we set up interviews for guys like you sometimes when you come to japan um we do lots of other little odds and ends some things we can talk about some things we can't but um but yeah, basically anything that involves uh, Japan and in the West and uh in video games, we are uh are part of it. Some recent things uh your listeners might know us for is uh Fire Emblem Awakening. Mm-hmm. We localized that. Um let's see what else Go- uh, Glory of Heracles. I know is was huge um <laughs> smash hit in uh in America, but we actually really did have fun A lot on of that good one. changes
3: in the American version of that one. All right.
4: I we thought did the so. The multi Million Selling Fossil Fighters, Frontier. That too. Just, just around like the bend. And we wrote that amazing song. Uh,
2: Monster okay. Hunter 4 yep. and try uh, yes. We work on a bunch of the Monster Hunter games um, that uh, that listeners might have listened to. So, um, yeah, you can check out our website, 8-4.jp, and see a full list. But but basically, um, we've been doing this for a long time. John and uh, uh, the other partner here, Hiroko, who just had a baby.
1: Whoa, yay that's congratulations. right congratulations
2: you're hearing it here first uh probably if you've split yeah. this up faster than us tomorrow <laughs> uh, started the company almost ten years 10
1: ago? ten years ago yeah, yeah. So
2: what, 10 years you ago. what, what ah. made you want to
1: get into localization I mean you were former uh you know editor foreign correspondent right I mean you did some work for egm
4: yeah uh we just I was in Japan and wanting to i was really Okay, I got to Japan doing uh, media stuff, which was, you know, I've been in the media for years and years. And Gamers dot com, like, rest in peace. Yes, I wrote the <laughs> dot com bubble, uh, a okay. float floated the dot com bubble overseas right. to Japan. They paid my way here and everything, and that was all really awesome. And then that bubble burst shortly after I got here, uh, and so I took a job with just some this little company that I had met that did like agent work and stuff, and it was kind of boring, and I didn't really like it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just decided to try and do something that I did like and I had an opportunity to um, work on some localization stuff and that's kind of how it started. So did you cut ties with Media when you took that job or were you still No, I was EGM's stuff? like international guy for years after I got here. I mean probably through Scandalous. like 2005 or something. Yeah.
1: I still remember an awesome uh, video on one up that was I believe it was you, JJ and Hiroko buying a DS Lite the day it came out and you guys <laughs> went to a, like a coffee shop and were
3: uh I a- No, that was that, was that was that it was that wasn't Light. me. It was the DS Lite, but that was the D. That was D. Charlie, wasn't it?
4: I don't know who else was there. I I'm don't remember, sure but I do remember it. that really? day because uh. I remember thinking how awesome and sexy the DS Lite was because mm. it was so much nicer than the first DS, uh. which looked like a the, the first DS was like the Volkswagen of like, of, you know, I mean, I'm not talking like a nice new yeah. Volkswagen, I'm talking. About, I wouldn't your, even your call it Volkswagen because even a, wagon. <laughs> even
2: the Volkswagen Bug was better designed <laughs> than that first original DS. The first original DS is the thing that they haul out years later when they're about to retire and they're like, here's all the weird prototypes that people like cobbled together overnight at ncl it was worse when
1: they first showed it at e3 do you remember like yeah it was even uh, yeah it was uglier than
2: barely i mean it wasn't even that i mean that different i mean that thing is so goddamn ugly it does not even look like a product that was sold (laughs) it looks like a a prototype that somebody cobbled together Uh, but one thing
1: i appreciated about that video was you each had handycams you were in line overnight and, like do you remember this story like at all Can I don't. I mean
4: actually it's happened so many times that to me it's like a recurring dream but like we we used to be, they didn't remember have, having to
2: wait in line for Nintendo systems yeah they remember? didn't really have yeah.
4: pre-orders in Japan like until several years after you guys got them in the west we were still basically lining up at, for stuff um, yeah, you don't really so, do that anymore, huh? No. No, if anything, now you line up for the pre-order, which is like you now right. uh, will announce when they're going to put stuff up for pre-order, but it's not as stressful. You're kind of <laughs> guaranteed to get one because they're going to make as many as people pre-order anyway, right? Yeah. But yeah, back then, like, you'd go out in the cold. Usually, like, stuff would launch in, like, February or December when it was, like, freezing. You'd be out in the cold from, like, 4 in the morning, 3 in the morning, waiting outside, like, a big electronic store for stuff to open. God, you miss it, don't you? And, you know, I'm not going to... I mean, it was... I'm, I'm glad I don't have to do, do it do anymore, America. but it was kind of fun. Yeah. It was, it was of
0: course, it fun because you're with excitement.
2: Exciting. It was; it's was, it was exciting, and you were getting that the first place in the world, right? Usually. Which also, yeah, yeah usually, which yeah. also used to be a thing yeah. in Japan. And it <laughs> is I not so used to be. not also uh, not all the time for now. And in fact, usually the other way. Bit,
1: but for systems, not really for
2: games bad. now, that's true. Sometimes in the Nintendo. There's a couple examples recently of things that are. Are going that way, but a lot of times now it's, I mean, sometimes it's even the other way around. Even with, you know, like some other, with the Zelda or something like that, sometimes it will come out two or three days ahead in America, right? Right. So, um, but... But there is a a romance to it, and there's also, like, a communal, like, just being out there with everybody, and you know that everybody else in line is a super crazy hardcore gamer. I mean, those are the things that you you won't forget.
4: And the best thing, too, is, like, you know, you you wait all night, and then, you know, it gets close. Like, usually the stores would open up here at 10, but, like, on those days, they'd open up early, like 7 or 8 a.m., and you'd be getting close and like they're still handing out tickets or something and it starts getting exciting and then you finally get it and the first thing you do is find like the nearest cafe that you can run to to sit down and like open everything up right. so and you, you, you kind of have your unboxing there just and that's to, like, you know. what you guys did
1: you went to it looked like a Starbucks and you guys yeah. are just filming like oh look at this and doing like side by side I will say I
3: just close. recently did that with the DS new DS the new DS okay, I, went right. to, I went to Ikebukuro with my son mm. and we waited in a line that went all the way up the uh it's like a seven story building <clears throat> went all the way up seven stories and went all the way back down again we waited in line about an hour and a half wow and then right afterwards we went to mcdonald's and opened it up and we're like oh
1: my Wait, god Wait, how was he for that though kids usually don't oh he
3: still. well i mean he was jumping off the staircases all the time but he <laughs> he was like excited about getting a new dsl okay. Okay. let me let me
2: switch this around though real quick here Ose, and ask you mm. a couple questions number one that thing that you're down. drinking right now, yeah. why don't you describe that for your listeners and tell us what you think about it. I'm sure they've uh, heard it already. very
1: good. Uh, if you follow Mark or John or JJ on Twitter, <laughs> or even a good friend of the show, uh, Kyle. um it's at Mark on Twitter. Yes, that's right. <laughs> or at Farm Japan or at John, what's yours? John TV. Uh, John TV and... Uh, S-P-R-S-K. SPRSK. Um This is an ice smoothie uh, made by Kieran, and it is... Uh, 0.5% alcohol this is a lemon lime flavor these are no, very five no, percent not 0.5 oh it is five percent yeah that's Holy right that's cow. why you're okay. feeling the way you're feeling right oh now. no <laughs> you, you got nothing on this morning on Wisconsin oh, okay. when i accidentally ordered a chew high and then she put it on the table and i was like maybe it's a soda and i drank it anyway nothing wrong with that at 9 a.m something's wrong with that nothing wrong with that little a little buzzed at 9 a.m but, but you but, see but people anyway. all the
2: time the same way <clears throat> Excuse me, you do in the airport with people getting a beer or oh, a Bloody true, Mary true. on the true. airport. Yeah, For some yeah. reason, the laws
1: of decorum
2: when you travel are thrown out the window, That's fine, and you I don't see drink it all the time. People yeah. on the Shinkansen,
1: <laughs> it, was, it was just it was awkward because I'm trying to play a game. I'm just like, man, I should not have had that too high. I'm hungry, <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway. Uh, so no, this, this is the frozen really form good. of yeah, too high. Frozen form of these too high. No, it's re- it's really good. You, you guys have that? talked this up on Twitter, and i have yeah. been like, hmm, I need to have one of these. And by the way, you cannot find these in stores. But you open up the 8 4 fridge. Wow. There is a we try endless, yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: endless. It's like a rap a video stack. over yeah. there, except it's like a Japanese rap video. So, so, uh, to, to describe it, it's like a Slurpee. I've right? had uh, the
4: best description I've heard finally this week is it's basically Capri Sun, like, yeah, it, people know. Well, these are age people, alcoholic Capri Sun, but it's frozen, yeah, but it's, yeah. You know, it's like a frozen Capri Sun, it's a frosty, yeah. Mm. yeah. It's like a frozen Capri Sun, basically, of, of of, uh, I guess it's an alcoholic beverage. But there's it's like, like a, a
3: lychee-flavored...
4: Chuhai's yeah. are these things in Japan that are really big. They're basically like sours. So they're like, you know, usually lemon-flavored or grapefruit or whatever. And they're they're tasty. They're really uh, good.
3: What are the flavors? There's lychee and
2: pineapple. lychee lemon. pineapple this pineapple. year. Yeah. a new one. And there's <laughs> lemon.
3: Okay, so that was
2: question number one. Okay. Question number two... Uh-oh. What the hell are you doing in Japan? Let's go. Uh, Boom.
1: Exclusive. World I got, exclusive. I got nothing. Jeff no. Keeley, What's up? I got nothing. I'm just oh, here. Oh, you playing koi. Mm-hmm. You're Have playing to. koi. That's how these things go. Uh,
2: are you going to tell people where you were in Japan? Nope. No. Well, okay. they know
1: now I'm in Tokyo. Well, they know that's
2: you were I in Tokyo. Say. Okay. Shibuya. What, Interesting. And, he wrote and that he, you were on the Shinkansen. That's right. Oh, So I'm you right. were somewhere else Shinkansa. as well. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Come on. Don't <laughs> that you said that you 9 had. o'clock this morning. Do you really want to see a ten ten guy turn red Let's on this see. podcast? <laughs> I don't think that's possible.
0: But Okay, I'm
2: done with grilling you. go. I would also be curious, as somebody who sometimes plays games a little bit ahead of time of people, have you been playing any? What Nintendo games have you been playing? You guys have been playing... Were you talking about Yoshi? Yoshi, yeah, yeah. Yoshi's Willy World. Which came out
1: last week in Japan. That is correct. Um, Did you I buy any
2: amiibos while you were here?
1: Uh, no. Can I uh, got to fill a suitcase with that shit? And, uh, I'm trying to find a dark, uh, stuff. dark pet who here is called Bracapito. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. I'm trying to find him um but uh no luck uh for a friend. Uh, uh, I'm not buying anything for me. I got a uh, If
3: you were here a couple of weeks ago, you would have gotten one. Yeah. Right?
1: Yeah. But uh but let's talk about Yoshi, right? Yeah. So Yoshi's Wooly World uh which was out last week. It was also it yes. came out in Europe first. Um surprise. Europe Weird. gets Weird. games first sometimes. That's uh, right? And sometimes they throw them a bone. Yeah, exactly. You know. So what do you think so far, JJ? So far, I mean, uh
3: I like it is, and it feels like another Yoshi game. Like it doesn't, it's not rocking the boat at all. It looks gorgeous. Uh, it's like the visuals are very creative. Mm. The music is very pleasing.
1: Did you play Yoshi's Island, the original? Yes. Yeah, because no. when you start with no. this, another Yoshi game, like that game is amazing. It, that first Yoshi game, like first, like the first Yoshi game is the only
4: Yoshi good game. Yoshi game. Yoshi's so Island, yeah, and. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, you guys have played the final game. I haven't. I played it a bunch at E3, both E3s. I will say this one feels, to me, the closest to the first Yoshi game of all of them Mm -hmm. so far. Yeah. As far as, like, having actual, like, you know, smartly designed levels, like, interesting play mechanics. Yeah. Me me and Mark played a bunch of two-player stuff that's actually kind of chaotic. Yeah. um, The
2: two-player was fun fun in a way where it was uh, unintentionally competitive like we were trying to, to help each other but actually like bah, knocking each other oh, wow. over places and like you know how you move the screen and stuff when you're two players which ended up being fun in mm-hmm. in, in that way mm-hmm. but it was kind of funny that we were like they ended up like killing each other and that's yeah
3: of the I would say that this game has like in the first world already there's some pretty creative levels like there was this one level where there's this uh, like big long piece of yarn that is like a wave, like this just wave that goes up and down and up and down and you're just kind of like traveling along that hmm. yeah. and you're getting stuff like that. It's 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 pretty creative. I mean, they really take that yarn Motif, motif and and and, and
4: work and it into work the, it. the yeah. we played that level at E3 where like the, there's like sort of a shadow thing going on and like it, you know I don't know what it was if something was like moving along the forefront of the screen it was and, like, like a cover
2: and it when the cover, a shadow
4: yeah yeah you were, like, you were like silhouetted against it right but
2: right. If, it, if it passed in front of a platform the platform effectively was it disappeared or that it formed yeah, it was, it was one both, way or the right? other like, yeah, yeah. yeah.
4: so like you had to be behind it like behind it it was kind of like was like one level and then in front of it is sort of like another level and then like depending where you were and that was tough to navigate with two yeah. players but that level especially shows off something that at first seemed really easy which is that if you hold the
1: jump button you sort of get a mini hover and if you time it you can hover like infinitely you could just sort of let it go start, that's again, it go, yeah. start in, again in
2: Yoshi's Island you can actually if you watch speedrunners they can actually gain yeah, height but that, really if you time it purposely. yeah so if oh, wow. you're watching yeah. like
1: guys like trihex who yeah. have like incredible hand speed right. they know how to do that stuff but the Summer average game's person, done quick this weekend that's right Oh, really? really yep. but average Joe I don't feel like uh uh, normally did that in yoshi's island at least i know i didn't play that way right. mean, didn't at all? i didn't play. I hovered but i didn't yeah. hover like in indefinitely well, yeah, yeah, for yeah. well as long as long that's long, why now game, it's a thing that they allow you to do but yes. i do feel like there are levels that at first you think well i can hover as long as i want like how is this supposed to be hard but then you find levels where you have no ground or you have ground for a oh, wow. very limited time like so you literally you just, just hold the button you don't have to keep doing it no, you have to let it go yeah. and start okay. it again
3: unless you're playing the enjoy mode where you get wings Oh, and yeah. you can just float forever.
0: Yeah,
1: which you know is typical. Sure. Mode. Yeah, yeah, basically. Well, that's well, that's
3: mode. what Haruki's playing on, and he it's yeah. it's useful.
1: So my baby. one criticism so far well, though baby. is that I, I it, it 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 is ramping up, but it is kind of a bummer to me that some of the first levels are just kind of they, they just not feel not kind challenge. of a snooze fest. Yeah, okay. and, I, and yeah. I get how platformers that's a thing, but I do acknowledge that when I play. A Mario game, especially like a 3D Mario game. Um, not so much in the new Super Mario Brothers series, but I would play a level and feel really good at the end, even if it wasn't something spectacular. It, it was just something about the way that level was designed or an right. idea that they introduced that I felt really strong about. And mm-hmm. I felt like the first level of Yoshi, the first two or three, I didn't really have that. Mm-hmm. You know those. Um,
3: you know those rides at water parks. It's like the the river that you like just. You just sit in and it like flows and you like travel along it it kind of feels like that Thunder
1: river man I love Thunder River
3: it's like you sit in there and, and it just kind of takes you along for the ride the first few levels are kind of like that and it's kind of boring
1: yeah and I I just I I'm only down on that because the first couple levels is when you really want to excite somebody right when you right. really want them to feel like holy cow I hadn't done this before I haven't th- right. felt there was right a now, ramp now the up only thing stud. I can say in the in the first levels though is instead of I haven't done this before it's wow I haven't seen this before and yeah it's like you it's see, like when they home. make water. It is and adorable. Like, you see these strings of yarn, sort of uh, supposed to be the detail of like the water level or whatnot. Yeah, that strikes you as really cool. Nice. It,
3: it is the game is adorable. It is the cutest game. Totes uh, Ever made. Totes adorbs. Uh, that that amiibo
1: to the totes adorbs
2: as yeah. well. Yeah. Like pretty mm-hmm. ridiculously. Like yes. n- nice looking, well made. I was I was makes,
4: impressed. Makes
3: yeah. a great toy for a six month year old.
2: I feel like
4: I that bet. that series, you know, Yoshi's Island, the first game. I mean it had a history to it, right? Miyamoto made that game kind of to show rare how, how a platformer was supposed to be done. But I mean Boom. also that you know CG graphics didn't necessarily weren't necessarily the only way to make stuff look really good. But I feel mm. like the first game is like people find it Legendary, right? Like, it's pretty amazing. and oh, yeah. None of the sequels have lived up. You're, you know, honestly, Yoshi's Story, which I thought was terrible at the time. It probably it is terrible. I, what, don't even finish whatever, whatever you're saying. No, no, no.
1: But say. Whatever you're about to
4: say. It's <laughs> better than, I think, the recent ones, though. Like, where they've recently tried a couple times. Uh. There was a two on Yoshi's Island 2 on DS, and then there was a Yoshi's Island, what was it, on DS? Touch and Go. They had Touch and Go. They had well, new that, that was cool. That was different. No, touch and Go. Like, I'm talking shit. about actual Yoshi's Island yeah. games. Yeah, they on New the Island, which the soundtrack New Island was, yeah, kind of busted. Like, but this one to me feels like, like okay, it's actually like a legit Yoshi's Island for the first time. But Yoshi's, yeah. I think you're forgetting
2: how bad Yoshi's story was. Yoshi's, I bet these new ones. Even if I, I don't, I haven't played them, which is, surprises me because I'm a huge fan of the original Yoshi's Island. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're all made by like Artune but well the the i i'm uh, i would be very surprised i mean they might be uninspired or whatever compared to but not man Yoshi's story was so for babies you know? yeah. like yeah. for babies big time um so yeah i'm excited to play the new one partially because of the look partially because of what we uh tried at e3 mm-hmm. and i i kind of have given up on I'm assuming that I'm going to get the enjoyment out of it that I get out of like a, a 3D world, which is to me is okay. I'm not going to get the old feel from Yoshi's Island because to me that's so polished around. To me, the beauty of Yoshi's Island you only even found out when you were trying to get the red coins and the and the flowers, yeah. Yeah. which and, are in this one, which are which are yeah, in, this one, in this one. But it was a very much a single player kind of thing, and are it there? wouldn't w- even to the point where I don't think it would work if the levels even allowed for multiplayer. Hmm. And of course, this one does, and so I'm now shifting my expectations on it it's like i just want out of this i would want like a fun kind of party game yeah if i had kids like you like like jj that's absolutely like with the ami with the yarn amiibo and stuff Mm -hmm. like that like seems like they would be all over it
1: so yeah got it got it so that was uh are you guys playing fire emblem anybody at this table other
4: than me uh-uh. I I played a like little, an hour of it maybe okay. I got to first like I, I got to, well first impressions are positive I mean it's kind of weird right we worked on the last game so we we're like super super familiar the last two games actually mm. Um, and so we're super familiar with it but like um, I was always a fan even long before we got involved so to me just to be able to play a new Fire Emblem game on 3DS which is where I really like it is you know great mm. uh, music is great the gameplay is pretty much what you expect um uh, it's just that I feel unqualified to talk about it because the game doesn't really begin until like chapter seven ish, hmm. which is basically I mean like chapter. Those are eight. big games, but yeah. like the game. But the thing is, it's two different. I guess the cool thing about it, and you have you talked about it much on this show uh, yet, or very, yeah, we've most of our listeners know, but you can feel free to. Well, of, I, I just think the thing it. that's cool about it is that once you get to the split point where you choose, you know, to, to one family or the other, it essentially becomes two different games. It mm-hmm. becomes either like another Awakening-style game where it becomes, like, a classic Super Nintendo Fire Emblem, right. which which is two pretty different games, yeah. I think. And the Awakening side is the Hoshido
1: side, whereas the North side is the more traditional, classic Fire Emblem.
4: Right, which people in the West probably aren't that used to because we haven't really had one in a long time. Mm. I mean, we had them on the GameCube, I guess, and stuff, but, I mean, it's it's, it's hard. It's, it's mm-hmm. challenging, and it's resource-strapped, and, you know, and it's a really hard choice. I will say that. Like, the part, you get to that point very early in the game where yeah. you have to choose one or the other. yeah and all the way there i'm like i'm definitely choosing this one i'm de- it's no doubt i'm choosing this one this isn't as hyped up as they may and then you get there and they're both standing there right. and they even have this thing where they all, you see all their faces and they're looking at you and talking to you with the voice acting I watched anything, that and you're scene, like
0: yeah. oh
3: man
4: this is really hard like, Yeah.
3: well i mean it's money money you're it's like a, a choice that costs
4: money so like well i well that's true depending on which version you got yeah, i bought so there's, there's a special a lot of edition to it. that had both on it but yeah that's true too um i so, i chose the the um the uh <laughs> the hoshido it's called in english right hoshido yeah, i think hoshido, that, basically yeah. which is like not the people you grew up with but your blood relatives mm-hmm. and that's i think that's just a little bit because i kind of i kind of um i think it, it your personality will affect what you choose right like personally right. like i'm i'm into like the whole like well th- those are my that's my true family you get to meet your real mother you know like those sort of things are like kind of important to me but i yeah. think like i could totally Italian. see how you would want to choose the one that you grew up with I mean your little sister's like basically there like yeah. all happy to see you and you're like about to go against them yeah, and fight and we've them and yeah we talked about a little bit right it's that rough. those
1: characters on the north side are super relatable like you really like them they, they're they're very likable people except even your father who's a dick yeah, but, the, uh, sorry pardon King King my Ganon French King Ganon is just the worst right? his name yeah, like, is Ganon? Uh, uh, Garen or Ganon oh, okay. I, forget. I think it's Garen it's not Gannon. it's <laughs> Ganon <laughs> <Okay, laughs> yeah, yeah, that would that be wrong. weird he looks a little like Ganon the Kieran is kicking in
4: but he's a jerk though and like he's really bad it's kind of set up I think And again, none of this is really spoilery. This is all, honestly, like the first hour Mm -hmm. of the game or something. And they've even, you know, they've showed this on the Nintendo Direct and everything. But like, you know, they, they, he's obviously, he's such a jerk that I almost feel like maybe they're trying to make you feel like you want to stay, the only reason you stay behind is because you want to try and like, he's clearly being possessed or controlled by someone and you want to try and fix that, save him so you can make peace, Mm -hmm. right? Because otherwise, why would you want to help that guy? He's such a jerk. So when you buy, though, the retail package
1: of this game... Are you locked into that choice of Hoshido or Nor based on the cover or do you still get to cho- do you still get to choose? You still get to choose, right? It's just I don't know for art. sure because I got yeah. a special
4: edition which has them both on it.
1: Okay. And that's the rare
4: one. That was like the the one that came with the art book and all this other yeah. junk. But I think you if you buy one or the other, I think it's just the one that you yeah. bought. Basically. So I downloaded it and then And then you have the you option the to choice, get the other one, but you have to pay the $20 or and whatever. And it came it out
1: after the game came out, maybe a week or so after they put out I think the path that they called is the Invisible Kingdom and you basically don't third choose one. either side. The third the third third story of this thing Um, so that I I just I like the approach a lot I still think for at least people in the West they have to sort of show and prove to some of them that these Mm. are three separate campaigns and that's Mm. why you know if they decide to stick with this we're charging separately for these that that's that that isn't a terrible thing. I just so over here, each campaign is costing an additional twenty dollars. Well, it right? does seem yeah, it seems different than like a
3: normal Pokemon game in this respect. It's not just like new monsters or whatever. It's yeah. like almost a completely different game design. It's a little harder to
4: sell though because the first six chapters are the same no matter what. You know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't know what they're thinking. Who knows? I mean, and they might have some incentives or reasons why you would want to get both. Or who knows? Maybe they're thinking to put them all together. I mean, we yeah. don't really know. They haven't mm. announced how they're going to handle it. Well, so there's
1: one thing in the West that's helped them out, I feel, is like the bundle pricing when they do stuff like that. They sort of show people a really good deal. Um, so that sure. is, uh, is, is maybe that's going to come to their rescue on that. I'm not entirely sure. But there are a lot of people, I feel, in the West that are very skeptical about, do I need to buy this? And why do I feel... They feel kind of slightly cheated because it is a separated story this way.
2: Well, I th- well, I I don't know about feeling cheated if you what I would say is buy the one that you want, and if you want to just pretend that's the only Fire Emblem game there is, I think what they've said is that game is as big as the any of the previous games. Right. So it's like it's that thing with DLC. You know, like when DLC comes out or it's like day one DLC, it's like, well, did they hold this from the game? proper where this would have been in the game before and now I'm not getting as much game and absolutely if you feel like you're not that's a total ripoff and whatever but but if they're basically making like two and a half or three Fire Emblem full like Fire Emblem games and it's just oh I'm pissed because I want everything out there that mm-hmm. says Fire Emblem on it but
1: I just want to pay then then I think it's like well you know you got to just
2: check your expectations yeah, yeah.
1: So I, we do have to go but I do want to ask you guys one question about has anyone messed around with my castle yet
4: uh, only, no. I mean, I I built, you know, when you get it, they kind of force you to use it for like a minute. So I put my town, ta- I put a shop up. I have done the That's awkward, what I want to talk about.
1: What is up with the face touching? This is a country where no one wants you to touch them at all. <laughs> so what? That's why they make Yeah, that's why they make this. This is the outlet, finally. <laughs> touch uh, that face. I,
4: so you, you're, Jose's referring to this feature where which i'm not super familiar with yet because I, I just unlocked it but where you basically like touch your uh your finger party members you, you rub them basically <laughs> to increase their affection <laughs> rub
1: them All for the affection somewhere there's right. a spot that will show you can rub other places too with
2: your finger like, let's just put yeah remind people right. yeah. yeah well
1: with what else stylus. would you be doing? suggested with that the touch you pen. use your finger <laughs>
4: this is um, getting weird other things might work but different characters they'll respond to like different speeds of touching like you know you'll rub their forehead and like but and fast and she might like it but this other guy might like it if you rub his shoulders she only really likes it on the forehead but what makes your your it fingers. weird
1: is that uh, so this is happening on the touch screen the camera is sort of slowly pulling in on the face and little hearts are starting to show up around and uh, little sort of effects and you just start to pan. wonder like why is this here like I'm just really surprised to see this uh, in a game that is definitely coming to the west like I just wonder how localization is going to do I that I just want to say yeah, since,
4: I mean, we're not working on the game, and we certainly don't speak for Nintendo, but like, I, there is nothing wrong in my mind if they decide to change this or remove it or whatever. Like, people get all up in arms about stuff like this getting changed. Like, it was the original intent, blah, blah, blah. Dude, the original intent was weird. Like, it's not normal to touch a six-year-old girl, like, to make her, like, affectionate for you or whatever. Yeah. Like. I mean, maybe there's more to it or whatever, but like if they want to change it, and I'm, I don't know, I, I'm just responding because like a lot of people were up in arms. Well, over but there. you know, like, you could huh?
2: say the other way around too. You could say like, well, what if they just leave it? And it's like, does it does it hurt anything having it? Can you just say like,
4: okay, I'm yeah, just not gonna do yeah, I agree. Yeah, I'm, I'm not, not even saying it. in favor of. of yeah. I'm just saying if they do, it's not a big deal, and if they don't, it's not a big deal. Or maybe they change it. I don't know. Maybe you like do something else instead of rub them. I don't know. You Who give knows, them presents. Like, you know, that's why it's called localization and different things for different markets. It makes sense that you know, it's not. I don't think it's that like. People should not get that up in arms about that. That is not the main. You don't buy that game so you could touch your party members. You buy that game for a really awesome like strategy says you RPG <laughs> experience.
1: <laughs> no, it is a really awesome strategy game, and I will say that. it is that. good. It and is based really on what I've played. Yeah, I love it. Um, so uh, we do have to go. Thank you very much for listening, Th- guys. Thank you so much for lending us your studio. Well, you're gonna stay. You're
2: gonna people are gonna stick around for the second
1: half, right? Yes. We and, do have yes. a special guest. An amazing coming
2: interview coming on. I will we'll be there. What
1: is that? You want to talk about what that is? Uh, so we talked to the. Uh, uh, sort of the according to the Guinness Book of World Records, the number one Mario never collector heard on the planet. Uh, a guy who, at the time they got the award, had over five thousand pieces. So we're going to talk to him. Uh, we've got a good friend of the show, Kyle, who's going to be the voice of Kikai, and that's what you're going to hear. The editing, we're going to try and do our best. We've never really done a translated interview before, so early apologies in advance. But going back to thank yous, thank you so much. And guys, uh, listeners, you should be checking out eight for play. It is by far my favorite podcast. Aww. Thank you. Yeah, thank and this you. is not because I'm gonna be on it. Like this is, <laughs> I have been one. listening to that We're show number since number the one. first episode, and I oh, have thanks. to say you guys do a great job. Thanks, man. Yeah, awesome. yeah. Cool. Yeah, you so uh, stick around and we'll be right back. And welcome back, Jose Otero here with Justin Epperson. Hi. Kyle McLean.
5: Hi, uh, gaming fashionista,
0: Kyle McLean.
1: And special guest, Kikai.
0: Hello, everyone.
1: So, as you can tell from his response, this is gonna be a little different than our normal interview here, but uh, let me give you some context on Kikai. Uh, Kikai is the number one Guinness World Record holder for the biggest Mario co- memorabilia collection on the planet, yes? Like that's the award he got.
5: Yes,
1: that's right. All right, so uh, we we got a special treat, and we just want to pick his brain because that's something that's really special. Like I, we've talked to collectors on this show before, and it's always fun to sort of hear sort of what drives them to collect Mm -hmm. things. What are some of their fun stories from collecting things? And so I'm really glad to have you on the show. Thank you so much for being here. All right, cool. So let's just kick this off then with uh, why Mario, like only Mario. I've heard your collection does not have a bunch of Nintendo stuff.
5: So I really loved Super Mario when I was a kid, and uh, I just turned 30 years old. So um,
1: this year is the
5: 30th anniversary of Super Mario. It came out in uh, 1985, and that was the same year I was born as well. So I'm the same age as the Super Mario franchise, and I, I grew up alongside the franchise. And my dad bought me a, a Famicom, Nintendo Entertainment System, along with Super Mario Brothers. and as long as I can remember, I've been playing Super Mario games. And so after that, um, I received Super Mario Bros. 3, and that was really the jump off. That was a tipping point when I knew I really wanted to play basically only Mario games from here on
0: out. So
5: I can't really say there was a, like a, a certain point when I realized that... Um, when I wanted to uh, start collecting Mario stuff because ever since as long as I can remember Mario was right there with me and as I grew up and I learned you know walk and talk and Mario was always there alongside with me so it was never just a, an aha moment but it was just like he was always there alongside me mm. and since I always loved Super Mario Brothers my mom and dad used to buy me um, Super Mario Brothers
1: merchandise and that's when the collection started around how old was he?
5: When I was in kindergarten.
1: Okay. okay. Wow. That's quite a story. Well, I mean, if you're going to start, you got to start young. Yeah, it is true. But you know how it is when we're younger, right? I mean, we tear things apart. Right. We rip open the packaging. Like, did he keep these things in great shape? Ah, uh, so desu. Yeah, um...
5: Yeah. I was actually. My parents bought me like Super Mario Brothers. Um, like bowls and like silverware, and I remember I got a Super Mario Brothers. Like a stationery set, like with pens and a pencil case, and I didn't want to use them at all. And I only ended up using one of the pencils I got because I wanted to keep the rest.
1: Did it, were his parents ever frustrated oh. with this? They were buying him things with Mario on it, but he didn't want to use them. So I can't exactly, you know,
0: say what my parents would have felt, but um, I
1: know
5: that the Super Mario Pencil set, um, those pencils cost a little bit more than just normal pencils would because they had characters uh, drawn on them, and so I knew this was something special to get and I didn't want, I felt this is a you know a very, very nice gift and I didn't want to use them, so speaking specifically about those pencils that's why I really didn't want to touch any of them.
1: Okay um, your father, JJ, yes. uh, and I listen to A4Play, and I'm very aware that uh, you have yokai Watch medals and had to deal with yokai Watch Yes. Bevers. What is the condition of those medals?
3: <laughs> those medals, so actually, Haruki is surprisingly uh, good with his toys. Like, all of our games and stuff like mm-hmm. that, he will put them back in the box, put them back in the, the uh, entertainment center just fine. His toys are, he kind of throws them around a little bit mm-hmm. more. But those medals, so far, still have the labels on them. Wow. wow. Yeah, he's he's an impressive
0: little
1: four year old. Okay, okay. So you might have on your hands this the same possibly, yeah, possibly, possibly. You could have a some Kika- million dollar <laughs> yeah, a kikai in the making. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. So I didn't. Uh, I don't think I gave this context at the start when we started this interview. But uh, at the time that Kikai got the Guinness World Record for the biggest Mario collection, uh, his collection had five that over five thousand four hundred pieces at the time, and that was in like what year? Would you say?
5: that was in two thousand and ten
1: wow, okay, and you're still collecting yes hi <laughs> yes okay. okay so then uh let's see. let's hear the the rarest pieces in this collection like what's the what's the most prized possession in this giant enormous collection you have for
0: Mario? it's a pretty
1: difficult question to answer, they're all very very important to me Hmm. So, just for context for listeners, Kikai is thumbing through a book uh, which was written about his collection. We're going to talk about it a little bit, um, but he is showing me a Gold Mario figure, a Gold Mario statue, not
3: a not a me uh, an amiibo, but an actual statue.
5: So, one of my most important items in my collection is a kind of a it's an older one it's a squat golden mario figurine now this figurine was never for sale it was only given to stores that um had a license to sell nintendo products and so this was given to them as a kind of a present some shops put it in window fronts or on display and this was never for sale it's one of my favorite items in my collection
1: sort of how big is this figure uh squat figure about 30 centimeters tall. Wow. Okay. Holy cow. That is a bank. How did you track that down?
5: So I actually went to a store that was closing and got it from them.
1: <laughs> oh, that's. I awesome. was going out of business. <laughs> okay. Well, was, it, was it expensive or were they very willing to part with it? Like, did they know what they had?
5: Oh... Uh, I really can't get explain all the details But yeah, I got it pretty much no problem
1: Nice, okay mm-hmm.
3: Wow, yeah If only I could have been around In Japan in like the 90s All the stores that were closing Probably giving away all sorts of really valuable stuff like this Yeah, yeah, yeah
1: So is that a common way you were able to get a lot of
3: this
5: stuff? Hmm <laughs>
1: Yeah, um,
5: a while back that was a method I often used Was going to stores that would close But uh, when I was in high school I finally got my first part-time job And I had my own pocket money to spend And that's when I really started started to seriously collect Mario items And I would go to second-hand stores And where they have all sorts of treasures buried in there And just dig through whatever they had Whatever I could find
1: I guess that's something very special in Japan too, right? Where like if you visit um, some of the retro chains like Super Potato, you see a lot of that stuff like on the walls. You see like all the way cut from like magazines, things from like oh there was a there was a player's guide style book. I think it was called Mario Mania, Um, and they have uh, yeah pages. That was the name of it, right? And they have pages that are ripped out. So part of it is uh, sort of a I mean. I'm trying to remember. Like, part of it is uh, sort of just detailing the Mario universe. Like, it has a, a page defining Luigi and that wow. he is the brother in the limelight and all that stuff. And then the other half of the book was a player's guide for Super Mario World. Huh. Yeah, yeah. So, if I remember correctly. And is- the
3: pa- and pages are just ripped out of it because, I guess, some kid was just like... <laughs>
1: peach no, screw you peach well no can we swear I, on this podcast uh, No, we normally don't okay <laughs> yeah that's a family show okay but uh, but we do um, no I just I, I find it interesting that here they sort of play up that nostalgia they're like very fast to put it on the walls Yeah, it makes the place look amazing Yeah, you know, like 8-bit art all over the place so I'm not trying to pry but where do you keep all this stuff
5: so I have a house in Tokyo and I have goods on there and I also uh, keep some stuff at the um house where I was born and raised at
1: mm, mm, okay. um, does, does he ever want to sort of see some of that stuff in a museum someday or is this very much a personal collection
5: a dream of mine is to actually create by some means my own museum where I can put this stuff on
1: display and show it to as many people as I can uh, JG, let me ask you something are yeah. uh, museums around sort of um, cataloging video game stuff is that at all common in Japan I never hear it talked about
3: uh it's not very common you can there are like some like pop up museums that will be you know up and like uh like recently they had a Mario 30th anniversary thing at Tower Records here it's not really a museum but like a kind of like a little display for you know history and stuff like that that kind of stuff will pop up in like restaurants and uh museums some places but there's no real dedicated video game stuff as far as i know
1: and is there a reason for that like
3: I think, you know, in Japan, games are still games, you know. They're not looked at as an art form just yet, Mm. like they are in America. Mm. Um, It's kind of ironically, like, they're a little bit far behind in terms of looking at games that way. And
1: appreciation? Yeah. Interesting. All right, Kikai, what was the hardest uh, sort of thing to acquire? What are some stories of uh, items that you very much had to go through a lot to get?
5: there's a lot of goods that aren't officially for sale. Mm -hmm. Those are pretty difficult to get a hold of.
0: So there
5: was one specific Mario figure that was actually used in a commercial um, that they only made six of. And I managed to get my hands on one of those. Oh, from the
3: uh, Mario and Donkey Kong... Yeah,
1: yeah, that looks like one of the minis, uh, the Mario sort of marching minis.
0: Yeah.
5: So there was, um, for Mario vs. Donkey Kong, the Game Boy Advance game, there
1: were six figures made
5: for the filming of this specific commercial for the game. And they were given away through a magazine campaign afterwards, and I managed to get my hands on one of those.
1: Was it through the magazine or someone that won?
5: I actually got it through all my Auctions online Okay
3: <laughs> Can you say how much it cost?
5: <laughs> <laughs> all I can say is that It wasn't cheap
1: Okay. okay, 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 that's fair. Um, what's the thing he had to go furthest to, f- to sort of get or acquire or find, like something he had to travel very far to get?
5: I don't really think I've ever gone really exceptionally far to get anything. Um, you know, now that we have the Internet, it makes getting your hands on these kind of things very, very easy to the point where I can't really say I've gone that far
1: to get anything. This is incl- the, then his collection includes stuff from other territories, from the U.S. or from Europe?
5: My collection consists of, you know, merchandise from all regions, but
1: being in Japan, it can make getting my hands on items from other countries
5: somewhat yeah. difficult.
1: Um, so, uh, I heard Kikai was on television on a show called TV Champions. JJ, why, yes. why don't you set the table for folks? What is that show? TV that Champion
3: about? is a show that's no longer on the air, but it was like a... It was like a competition-based show where they would have, like for instance, like who is the best ramen chef in Tokyo, mm-hmm. and they would have these ramen do, uh, chefs get on the show, make their best ramen, and then people would taste it, and then they would declare a champion. And then the next day, that guy's store would just be like crazy packed with people. Um, it was it was a really big show at the time. So was it always competitive? It was it always competitive. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Um, that's why it's TV champion. Got You it, got to it. You gotta become the champion. Okay, okay. Um, but yeah, it's no longer on the air uh, anymore. But uh, okay. yeah, it was a big deal at the time.
1: So when the TV champions approached him, and who was the unlucky, uh, the unfortunate soul who had to go against him?
5: Um, um, somebody just emailed me out of the blue. I do have my own blog where I chronicle some of my collection, and my email address is on there. And just I got a message from somebody who works in TV asking if I wanted to appear. I don't remember exactly all the participants on the show. I do remember one of the people who I was on the show with was, um, he collected video games. Uh, He collected all sorts of games. I'm more of like merchandise. He was more of like a
1: rare game collector. Okay. Interesting, um, mm. just because you would think they would try and put Mar- someone else who was collecting Mario. Yeah, I don't know. I think it was probably just like game collections, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so specific. Mm. Okay. Um, and so, what did that entail? Like, did they come by and just film a lot of his collection? It was interviews, things like that?
5: So, there was a um, competition on the specific episode of TV Champion I was on where was who could clear uh, Mario World, uh, Super Mario Brothers Level ah, 1 1. Ah, <laughs> so that was the competition,
3: I guess. Oh, and then, it, got it, and got then got they it, got would got feature, it. I guess, the people who understood.
1: Okay, now this collecting. all makes sense. Okay. Yes. <laughs> what was that experience like for him? Like, what did his parents say? Like, what? <laughs> uh,
5: to be perfectly honest, I really don't have that many memories about that specific episode of TV Champion. So I've been on other TV shows uh, featured abroad, uh, ones in France and Australia. And I remember things about that, but I can't really recall that much about the T- that specific TV Champion episode. Mm. How far back was that? So TV Champion was about five or six years ago. So I received the Guinness World Record in 2010, and then after that, in 2011, I was featured on an Australian news show talking about my receiving this record.
0: And
5: last year, in 2014, I was on a show, a French show, talking about, it was like a a documentary about the history of video games, and I was on that as a uh,
1: Super Mario Goods Collector. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um... In talking about these items, I guess the one question I have not asked is, are any of them signed by Miyamoto or signed by anyone that worked at Nintendo? So
5: I do have some autograph merchandise. Um, I do have some um, Miyamoto autograph merchandise. Unfortunately, I've never directly met Mr. Miyamoto in person, but through uh, an acquaintance, I did
1: receive some Miyamoto autograph.
5: Okay,
1: wow. We've got to make that happen. Nintendo, if you're listening, and I know you do sometimes... I'm kind of surprised, like... Come Trinnen. on
3: Miyamoto, this guy has all the Mario toys that you've ever made sure. ever, yeah,
1: anything that yeah. Ha- has had the, the name on it Bill come on, <laughs> you hear that Trennan <laughs> all right, um yeah, why not uh so then um, wow, I just I'm. are there any other sort of fun stories sort of pieces in the collection that he has fond memories of, either' the requiring or something as you know as unique as six only six of these were made
5: so. Uh, speaking recently, um, this year 2015 is the 30th anniversary of Super Mario Brothers, and to commemorate that, they opened up three different Super Mario Brothers themed cafes in different parts of Tokyo, and the some of the merchandise you would receive at each one of these cafes were slightly different. So if you went to a, like a cafe, Mario Cafe in part city A of Tokyo, you've got, you know, a Bowser coaster. But if you went to a different one, you might get a Luigi coaster instead. And going there was pretty interesting. I had to go to a multiple times to all of them to make sure I got everything available.
1: Does he ever talk to the stores or to the people involved and say, hey, I'm a collector? Does that open doors for him at all?
5: So back when I started the whole collection, back when I was in high school, and I would
1: go into stores, and
5: there'd be like a poster on the wall, and I'd ask the staff can I please have that and they would give it to me but recently I haven't really you know asked directly for information or promotional material things like that
1: Um, I ask because out in the west uh, so on our show we've had uh, uh, Stephen Lin who is a big collector of, you know, NES and uh, other sort of video game systems. And he said on this program, like, the best advice is to tell as many people as possible that you're a collector, because at least, you know, in the West, that opens a lot of doors and people will be like, oh, sure, I know who to go to when I want to get rid of this. All right, cool. All right, well, um, just if we can just plug the book, then uh, Kikai's blog. So the book is called Mario uh, Goodies Collection, and uh, it was published by... Pixen and Love Is that what that Pixen and Love Yeah Editions Um, Now you can find this book On Amazon Actually if you check it out I actually bought a copy Through there I definitely recommend uh, You checking that out It is a tome Of just everything That is in his collection Everything's in there At least at the time That that book was made Yes Um
0: like I said only previously, this book was my wow. Does he know um, how much?
5: Catalog when I got the um, Guinness World like a rough record back in 2010. And as of that time, this book consisted of maybe about sixty to seventy percent of my entire collection. Now obviously,
1: that's been five years and it's grown right. since then. So that you can find uh, Kikai's blog at uh, uh sumacom S-U-M-A. You can also find Kikai on Twitter. Uh, uh, at Kikai M so K-I-K-A-I-M uh, definitely you should follow this man it is absolutely worth your time to yeah. check out the awesome stuff tweets constantly about uh, sort of more of his collection and shows it off through there thank you so much for talking to us man I'm really yeah, really really glad thank you very much for having yeah. me yeah and let, let's try and uh, help Kikai meet Miyamoto so maybe we should start mm. a hashtag or something yes. I think that would be worth it Um, or just tweet at are uh, good friends at Nintendo and see. I hope you don't mind <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah,
0: one of my dreams from
1: here on out is um,
0: so there's
5: a in America in New York City there's a Nintendo World Store that I've heard about and I've never been there I've never been to America and one day I'd really really love to go there and um, before then I'd like to brush up on my English so I can communicate with the people there and talk about things like Super Mario
1: absolutely
0: I hope mm. that comes true me too
1: all right well thank you for listening to, n- to nintendo Voice chat we are a podcast on ign but we are not the only show on ign in fact podcast unlock podcast beyond we have a show called anime club uh check those out and also we have a bunch of videos features written stories news uh definitely a lot of stuff and we want to especially give an extra special thanks to our friends at 8 Four play that's right. and at a4 a localization company here that's in right. japan 8-4.jp Yep, plug everything
3: 8-4-JP a- we have our own tw- uh, Twitter at 8-4-Play uh, can we say the site that we're on yeah absolutely okay. everything. we're on Giant
1: Bomb so you can find us there or on
3: Gaff if you're a yeah, member
1: definitely and you should also be listening to a 4 play my favorite video game podcast yes, on the which internet. you will be on Oh well, and that's not why it's my favorite. I yes. just want you to know that it's it is the <laughs> one show that I take the time to listen to. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that's yeah, awesome. Absolutely, you guys put a, together a great show. All right. Well, thank you very much for listening. You can find my, uh, you can find JJ on Twitter actually. At... Yes,
3: SBRSK. Follow me on Instagram, Justin.Epperson
1: All right. and I'm you can find now. Kyle at. I'm on Twitter at FarmBoyInJapan
5: in Japan. And thank you so much for translating.
1: I was the episode. translator for today. Yeah, so yeah. Yes. The voice of Kikai, and uh, thank you again, Kikai, for coming on the program. You can find him on Twitter. Thank
5: you very much. Yeah. You can find Thank him on Twitter, Twitter again at
1: K I uh, K A I M. Kick Aim without Kick the aim. C. There you go. Kick Aim. All right, and you can find myself Jose underscore Otero on Twitter. Thank you very much for listening, and we will be back next week with more Nintendo Voice Chat.